It came as a shock for me to hear that I had a birth defect. Just before I retired from the Air Force, I was given one last dental examination, and they saw that something was going on underneath one of the teeth back here, so they pulled it and showed it to me, and the roots were all deformed. The dentist said, yeah, that's called Turner's hypoplasia. It's a birth defect. It only affects one tooth, and uh, when it's removed, the problem is gone, uh, but it's still a congenital condition. I thought, gee, I wonder what other kind of birth defects I have inside my body that I don't know about. It certainly made my awareness of, uh, it, it raised my awareness of uh, Turner's hypoplasia. But there are worse conditions you can experience, and our society today is raising awareness, awareness for them at an ever-increasing rate. Have you noticed? Uh, you've seen uh, Facebook posts from family and friends and relatives raising awareness for a whole host of rare diseases and syndromes and congenital conditions. Maybe you've started awareness for some of them yourself. Artists write songs raising awareness for social stigmas and injustice. People make documentaries to raise awareness for what's going on with the planet. You can have a bake sale to raise awareness for anything you want. You know, whatever concerns you. I don't know, the, the amount of plastic garbage washing up on the shores of Midway Island or something. If you were to raise awareness for something, what would it be? Oh, ooh, somebody said Jesus. <laughs> well, the sermon's done. Uh, may the peace of the Lord, which surpasses all human understanding, yeah, okay. Well, you know, that's basically the spoiler there, but uh, it's in, though, isn't it? Raising awareness is in. It's the thing to do. And it's a good thing, although there are times when I say to myself, you know, I'm already very well aware of that. And some things seem to get more awareness rather than action. Nevertheless, awareness means knowledge, and knowledge is power because you can, you can act on it. You can make decisions based on it. So how about we raise awareness of Jesus, huh? You know, there's certainly more of a need to be aware of him than, uh, well, Turner's hypoplasia. In fact, anything else is temporary and limited to this world, which will end at some time. So why not raise awareness for what ultimately matters for all people for eternity, right? Retired pastor Don Ginkle wrote this book. Uh, I've used this uh, for uh, confirmation. Uh, it's called, I Have Good News For You, a Bible study that changes lives. This is good news for people who are receptive to hearing about what God has done for them. But Ginkle has also written an article called, I Have Bad News For You. He says, I'll never forget a visit I made during my vicarage year uh, from seminary at Hobart, Indiana. One of the members asked that I visit her grandfather, who was up in years. He had no time for God in the church. But the member added, he very much misses our son who died when he was six years old. I sat down with him on the porch to his home. 
For two hours, I tried to explain to the old gentleman God's love and his need for a Savior. He wouldn't have any of it. I finally asked if he missed his grandson. Oh, yes, very much. I'd like to see him. I said, I have bad news for you. You can't. You'll never see him again. He was a believer in Jesus and is now in heaven. You are an unbeliever and aren't going there. Now, Ginkle goes on to say that uh, this made the guy a little more receptive to hearing about God because the prospect of being with his son again was enticing enough to be able to hear it. But Ginkle says that uh, that's not always a guarantee. And he finishes his article with saying, Friend, have you ever shared the good news of Jesus Christ with, with another person? I hope so. But what do you do when the person doesn't want the good news? Perhaps you should be honest enough to say, I have some bad news for you. Briefly explain this. Ask what seems to stand in the way of believing in Jesus as the Savior. Let's share the good news of Jesus at every opportunity. But let's also be honest and loving enough to share how the rejection of him will result in very bad news. Like Pastor Ginkle, I I wonder if we become too lax in being honest with people. Yeah, it's great for us that we're going to heaven because we believe and, you know, we're fine with that. And for those who don't believe, if that's what they want, it's fine for them. But it's not fine for them. We're not really thinking very deeply about what God has to say about that. He's waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. That doesn't sound very good for some people, does it? You know, what's the writer of the Hebrews trying to tell us here with that? That literally Jesus is going to prop his feet up onto a pile, a mountain perhaps, of all the billions of people who hated him? Like Stalin, (laughs) Hitler, you know? You and I prop our feet up on the coffee table or the ottoman at home while we're watching TV because it's comfortable. But 2,000 years ago, only kings, only royalty had footstools. And it was common practice for subjects of conquest to be thrown under the king's feet there at the throne instead of his footstool. You know, it was a show of triumph. That's what the writer of the Hebrews is telling us. Actually, he's using a picture of God uh, that comes much earlier in the Psalms, but the point is Jesus, the king, sits at the right hand of God waiting to proclaim his triumph over rebellion, unbelief, and sin and bring what he's done about it to its full conclusion. His friends, those who hear or those who heard and believed, will join him on a new earth forever. His enemies, though, get something else. An outer darkness completely separated from God's kingdom with endless weeping and gnashing of teeth. You've heard that, right? Sounds weird, but... uh, Gnashing of teeth. That's a a Greek idiom for suffering and agony which leads to insanity. 
That's something worth raising awareness about, don't you think? Or are you hesitant to talk to someone about it because you're not sure you believe it yourself? Or you think it'll just turn someone off to hearing or to being receptive to hear about Jesus? The church used to raise awareness about the joys of heaven by trying to scare people away from the terrors of hell. It did a good job raising awareness of sin, but a poor job of raising awareness that there is forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That started to change, though, during the time of Luther. And Luther used this nice little bread-making illustration to show us kind of how this works. He says, everything is forgiven through grace, but not everything is yet healed through the gift. So imagine bread. The gift is poured in to the dough. The leaven is added. And it works to remove sin which has already been forgiven to the person and to drive out the evil guest. Meanwhile, as the bread is baking, sin is still called sin and in its nature is truly sin. But now, it's sin without wrath. You and I still have sin. We have sin to deal with. And our natural tendency is to backslide to our old person. But it's sin which has been forgiven and paid for by Christ. Now it's true. The consequence for unbelief makes some people more emboldened to shake their angry fists at God and say, No, I don't want you. I don't believe you exist. I don't even want to hear about God. God promises to grant them their heart's desire. I think of a cave tour we took in Missouri, in Hannibal, Missouri, when the boys were young. The tour guide, you know, you've been on cave tours. The tour guide takes you, you know, a quarter, a half mile deep into the cave, whatnot. And then uh, they, they, what do they do? They turn off the lights, right? And man, that is a darkness that you can feel. You can just feel it pressing in around you. That raised my awareness for me that I'm so glad that's not my eternal future. But it could be for my mom and other family members who've demonstrated all their lives they have no time for God. So let's, let's raise awareness of Jesus. As I said last week, He's the solution. He's the answer to anything and everything else people have been raising awareness about since the beginning. When Jesus has secured your future, you can see all the other issues and conditions more through His eyes and more with His mind. The world looks like it's fallen apart, and some of us feel like we're falling apart. But with all its earthquakes and human suffering, the stuff which seems like the end, Jesus says, is the, really the beginning. We have no time for chicken little. When the sky really does fall, it will be at the command of Jesus and at His return. He doesn't bring death for those who love and put their trust and in, in, in hope in, in Him, but He gives life. 
life which began anew in our baptism and which He will bring to completion on that last day. We're looking to the beginning of life again, which changes things for us in the here and now. We have hope in the joy. We have hope and joy in the midst of some pretty, you know, terrible things in this world. So, let's raise awareness of Jesus. Post something about Him on Facebook for a change instead of a cat video or a rant against Donald Trump. Raise awareness of the most important person ever in your life and mine. A good opportunity at church to, as a church to do that will be at our live nativity in a couple of weeks in Sherwood, you know? That raises awareness of the Savior, Jesus. So take part in that. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.